Buenos dias y noches, señores and señores, and welcome to that sports show that talks sports. I'm, of course, your host, Mr. Andrew Valentin. Yes, I am privileged to bring you yet again another podcast. I hope you all are waiting with bated breath and all as we give you another fun one, of course. Uh, I hope you're all having a wonderful day, a wonderful night, whatever it is, wherever you are, and I hope you're ready to listen to some sports. Obviously, in our previous podcast, we finally got a chance to talk football, but fortunately, if you are not a basketball fan, we do have to go back to basketball because I have some important things I need to talk to you guys about on the football manner. So I hope you guys are really ready for this one as... Well, there's also some basketball stuff. Obviously, you know, I and my brain probably just got mixed up there. I apologize if everything sounds incoherent now. We got basketball. We got football. I promise you we're going to get through this basketball stuff, get to the NFL prediction stuff. I hope you guys are ready for it. With that, let us begin. And I want to start off with the main focus being, obviously, got some games that went down, right? Toronto tied the series with... Boston, which is great. They're going to go to Game 7. I can't wait to see how that matchup goes. I think they're both equally deserved of being in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? The Clippers are one game away from getting it over with with the Denver Broncos. And I believe the Lakers still have two more games to go. But right now, they look like they're doing away with the Rockets the same way they did away with the Portland Trailblazers. But obviously, the main focus I want to put on is the game that I have probably talked more about than anything else in this NBA world, which is the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And yes, if you don't know, oh, it happened, folks. It actually happened. The world saw everything get shocked. Miami. The Miami Heat, a team that has been renowned for Dwayne Wade and Shaq and Alonzo Mourning, and then the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh era. Well, now they're one step closer to it because, yes, they did indeed beat Goliath. David did it. The Milwaukee Bucks fell to the Miami Heat four games to one. I got to be honest, like many people out there, I didn't see this coming. I said in the previous podcast I had talked about before with the Milwaukee Bucks, which I believe was episode three, that I didn't think Milwaukee was going to win a championship. I thought they would at least get to the NBA Finals. I didn't think they were going to win a championship, though. Why? Because this roster is not built for a championship. And I watched this game five, and Giannis didn't play. But a lot of people were very high up on the Milwaukee Bucks making a comeback because, oh, well, look at how Chris Middleton played in game four. And the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks, they played with heart. They played with so much fire and fury. How could they not push the game to... In game five, they didn't show up, right? I mean, sure, Middleton led everybody in points, but he only had 23. He's 8 for 25, 2 for 9 from the 3, 5 for 6 from free throws. That's great. You want to know their overall, by the way, for their numbers? 36.3% from the field. 27.3% from three-point range. 73.1% from free throw. That is the team collective, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is not good. You want to know what Miami's was? 47.9% from the field, 35.5% from three, 91.7% from the free throw. Big, big difference. And here's the thing. Miami didn't have anybody that scored 20 points all game long. Their best player was Jimmy Butler, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, had a steal, but he turned the ball over five five times. 
Adebayo was good on the rebounds. Played well defensively. Had some stops. Didn't get any blocks, though. Drogic had 17. Crowder had 16. Tyler Hero hit some clutch shots, man. That kid, he is all about clutch shooting. He, he is becoming a fan favorite in Miami. And I will say this. He's becoming a favorite of mine to watch. I liked him at oh, Kentucky. I think it was he played at. I liked him back in college. I thought he was a really good player. I just didn't think he would translate so well to the NBA this way. But hey, in a shooter's league, he's really opened it up. 103-94. It's kind of a very pedestrian kind of score for the bubble, really. But no Giannis. They have to lean on Chris Middleton. The only other guys that performed, DiVincenzo had... 17, 3 for 6 from 3. He was pretty solid. Brooke Lopez, 15 points, did his thing around the rim. Marvin Williams, even having 11 points himself. Old man Marvin, stepping his game up. And Wesley Matthews was able to get 11, but he couldn't hit a 3. I mean, this says a lot for both sides on this. And I'll say this really quickly for the Miami Heat. This shows that teamwork does, in fact, make the dream work. Right? Miami and Milwaukee are two completely opposite teams. Milwaukee is trying to play the let's feed the one guy and then everybody get their own around him. They're playing that concept. Miami plays the, we've got anywhere between 7 to 10 guys that might be able to actually play and put points up on the board, and we're going to use all of them. They're very similar to what I see with Toronto. That's actually a counter, their counter team right now in the, in the Eastern Conference, if you will. It's Toronto. And... Boston in some way, shape, or form too. But Boston feels like it's kind of like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and then that's kind of it, right? Oh, and Kemba Walker. It's four players, really, and then a lot of it's just kind of like the media. Miami kind of feels like, yeah, it's Jimmy Butler, but like you have Adebayo, Hero, right? Robinson, Drogic. Right, they, they, they have a collective of players that all of them, and I mean all of them, in their own way, shape, and form, are stepping up to make plays. I mean, hell, Kelly Olnick comes off the bench and he has 12 points. Olnick. <laughs> a guy who a lot of people didn't really think had a lot left in him. Spo- I said this in, a, in the previous episode, but it's true. And I'm going to probably repeat a lot of things on this, but... Spolster is all about the team game. Move the ball. Find the open man. Get the open shot. Don't make it hard on yourself. Make it easy on yourself. Get the ball into the net the easiest way we know we possibly can. If that means Hero's going to have to take some jump shots, let him take some jump shots. If Jimmy's got to pull up from 15 feet, let him pull up from 15 feet. If you feel like you can drive the lane against some of these guys, drive the lane. But the point is, make sure you're passing, make sure there's motion, and make sure we're getting it to somebody who may have the best open opportunity to score the point. Otherwise, we take an opportunity. If it doesn't fall, get back on defense, try and shut them down, and then we go back at it. It sounds simple in theory. To execute, it's a lot harder and Miami does it to a T. Why? Because Spolstra has the guys to make it happen, and he's the coach that can get it done. Budenholzer showed that he had that coaching ability himself in Atlanta when he had a Paul Millsap-led Atlanta Hawks team that went to the playoffs, got beat, got swept, got put out, and then he got the Milwaukee job. And now all of a sudden he's decided to say, we're only feeding Giannis and that's it. And Chris Middleton can get his and then everybody else get their own. 
Folks, it's time to start realizing that Chris Middleton, even though he's paid like a number two player or a number one player, even at that, he's no better than a three or a four player in the league. If I said this in the previous episode, I talked about all this stuff. I apologize. But let's be honest here. What is Chris Middleton really in the NBA in terms of the hierarchy? Is he really number two, a Scottie Pippen type player? Or is he really a number three, number four role player? I think they're trying to force a guy who is a number three, number four role player to try and be the number two Scottie Pippen type player. And look, I I will say this. Giannis is certainly a Michael Jordan type player. A guy who you can build a championship team around. The problem I think that is standing right now with Milwaukee is that they don't know how that's done. And they're trying to force something that they think is a championship caliber product and it's just not going to work. You look at the Bulls. Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. And even in that time when he left, Scottie led the team to a playoff run. He led the team to a playoff run. That's what helps your team in the big time. That's that's what I saw from Chris Middleton in game four. He took over when it counted. Your star is down. You don't have anybody else to turn to. Middleton's the best player you have to turn to. And it worked for game four. But game five, it clearly didn't. His numbers show that. His production showed that. I I mean, look, I, I, I don't think he's that guy. I, you know, you can feel whatever you feel about the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Boss championships. Be it you say they bought them, they won them, whatever it is. But here's the one thing that I will contend to everybody. It was the smart move. LeBron's not having his best game. Somebody's got to take over. Oh, we got D-Wade and Bosch to do that. LeBron's injured. He can't play. Uh, We got D-Wade and Bosch to do that. It was LeBron, D-Wade, Bosch. That was the hierarchy. And when LeBron went down, everybody knew. Dwayne Wade is the guy in Miami. He's always been the guy in Miami. He's not going anywhere else except for that small stint in Chicago. But otherwise, he's a Miami Heat guy. It's his team. It's his team. I mean, listen, I, I, am, I have never been opposed to the idea of bringing in other superstars to help other players. That's just how this is built nowadays. The big three is a consummate product of what the NBA is right now. It's what's been built. But you can see it right now. The best teams that go for championships have that next go-to player. Boston and Jason Tatum's not playing well. Jalen Brown's got it. Toronto, Kyle Lowry is kind of out of it. Oh, that's okay. Uh, We got Van Vliet and Siakam. Clippers, Kawhi's down. Paul George to the rescue. Lakers, LeBron can't do it. But Anthony Davis sure can. The best teams that go for championships have a one and a two that complement each other perfectly. Milwaukee is the one team right now that kind of stands out there and says, well, we've got this number one guy, and they go, well, that's great, but where's your number two guy? Well, we don't have one of those. Well, you know what would really benefit you a lot is if you got that number two player... Excuse me. Sorry. It's late. (laughs) Or early, wherever you're at. The best thing you can do is get that number two player to feed your number one guy. 
Because that's the problem right now. That's the problem right now that has been persistent with Milwaukee. Every time they've gone to the playoffs, no matter how many times you want to say, but they're so close and they should make the finals and all that stuff, the truth is they have their one star player, a number three, four role player in Middleton, and then a bunch of bench garbage, bench garbage, and mediocre role players that fill out the rest. I'm sorry, Brooke Lopez, I'm sure he's great on any other team, including Milwaukee itself. But I'll tell you right now, what I'm seeing from Milwaukee, he's not giving enough. Bledsoe's not doing enough. Matthews isn't doing enough. I mean, they've got so many great players on that team. Not great players, but let's say even average, above average, good players on that team. Guys that should be performing in the playoffs after some time off and all that. And they get, they almost get swept. How? So then this becomes the universal question, right? What do you, what do, you do with Giannis? Does, does my Milwaukee keep him or does he leave? Everybody thinks Giannis is going to leave for New York. He's going to leave for Golden State. Right? It's like Giannis is going to leave Milwaukee to go find the bigger riches, the finest teams that can he can play with and win champions that's not gonna happen most likely Giannis is most likely going to stay in Milwaukee because Milwaukee will probably pay him whatever he wants and they will give him whatever he wants that's the luxury that you know a Clippers team has Steve Ballmer goes okay we want you Kawhi but what do you want Kawhi to feel happy I want Paul George We will get you Paul George. Boom. Paul George. Like within an hour it almost seemed, right? Within an hour or hours of probably asking Steve Ballmer, he got Paul George. Who does that? That's the great thing about this whole situation right now is that Giannis has this power in his hands. My question is, is he going to use it? Because honestly, even though I'm a Bulls fan, and yes, I'd like Milwaukee to be bad again so the Bulls can beat up on them, but honestly, I would hate to see this amount of talent go to waste. Like, listen, we talk about Patrick Ewing, we talk about Karl Malone, we talk about these guys who don't win championships a lot, who are legendary Hall of Fame players, we all recognize them to be greats, and that's going to be wonderful if that's Giannis' career and legacy, I don't doubt that, but you know what really solidifies your name in the history books that makes people remember you? Championships! It's one of the most crucial things in my opinion. But that's where Giannis has to really make a hard decision on it. Do I want to go to a team and potentially miss an opportunity to maybe play for a championship? Or do I want to go to a team where I can get valued, make some money, and you know maybe there's an opportunity to make a run at a championship there or not? A lot of that is going to have to be thought over for Giannis. I don't think he's going to leave Milwaukee because... He's a kid from a Greek village, small Greek village, very similar to what Milwaukee kind of is. It's a city, yes, but in its own right, it kind of has this small town village atmosphere to it that I think Giannis has kind of related to during his time in Greece, being a kid that grew up there, right? Along with his younger brothers, of course. Going to a place like Golden State, or going to a place like New York, or even coming to Chicago here... I think he would feel out of place. I think he would feel like this city's a little too big. It's a little too much for him. Get a little overwhelmed. 
and eventually would maybe start being one of those players that starts doing things and saying things to get his opportunity to move out of the franchise. And nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. But Giannis is a player that he's not... He's in no way, shape, or form a dumb guy. He's a smart dude. He understands the business value and aspect of his name. But I think he also understands that he has his own personal feelings about where he goes next and what he does next. And that's why I think Milwaukee is going to be the place he stays. Is that the smart move to make? I mean, to be honest, if it's the move that makes him feel the best, then yeah, it's the smart move. You know, business-wise, championship-wise, no, it might not be the best move by most people's accounts then, sure. But is it the smart move for him to be able to make in order for him in his career to be able to advance? Yeah, certainly. Listen, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to bash Giannis. Okay, the Richard Jefferson thing when I said all that about, you know... He has a point, right? He's the star by default. Listen, Giannis has built himself into a star that on almost every single franchise in the NBA, they would be like, do you want this guy? And they'd be like, yes, 100%, yes. What do you want? You want my firstborn? You want my car? You want my house? <laughs> what, do we, what do we need, right? It's only a handful of teams that I think there's an argument to be made that in the hierarchy of players, he would be number two, maybe even slip to number three, depending on the caliber of player. But for Giannis right now, he doesn't have that Scottie Pippen. He doesn't have somebody where if he goes down with an injury or he decides not to play or whatever it is, that he can take over and be the player that Finishes the game. Middleton, for the first time in his career, I honestly think, proved to me that he was worth the amount of money that he's getting paid. But if you were to ask me right now, do you think he's worth it? Not even close. Not even close. Middleton's a good number three guy. But you can't work with just having number three. You need to have sustainable function energy attack Middleton's not always that he disappears he tries to overdo things a lot of times he tries to overvaluate a lot of things he takes dumb shots at the net and that's how you end up with 8 for 25 honestly there's no reason why Milwaukee should not have won this game Miami was not playing its best game, but what happened was, towards the end, when it came down to it all, and it was a certain fight, Miami kind of took the grips on that game and decided they were going to take away with the win. Milwaukee, for whatever reason, in the second and third quarter, 18 points the second, 19 points the third, they just did not come to play. And you look at their shot chart, you look at the numbers on there, they were atrocious from the field. They were terrible from three. They were bad from the free throw. You hit just in any number of those shots, and you're probably tying and or at least winning the game to send it to a game six to give Giannis another week of... to give Giannis some more time to be able to repair and focus. Now he's got all the time in the world. I really, I don't know what's next for the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think Giannis wants to stay in Milwaukee. I think he, Milwaukee certainly wants to pay him. The question is, you pay him, you pay Middleton, what are you going to do when the salary cap drops next year? Who are you going to go pay? Because you need to get a number two guy in here. Middleton's contract is going to be ridiculous compared to what Giannis is actually going to get paid if you make that happen. The NBA is becoming a very strange and reluctant world for a lot of people to understand. 
I don't know what happens next with Giannis, but I wish him all the best. I do wish him all the best. So, I want to go to this because I watched the Clippers-Nuggets game like many others, I'm sure, did. And I got to tell you, I already kind of made this statement in the last time I talked about the NBA podcast, but I'm going to say this right now. Kawhi is the best player in the league right now, and it's not even close. It is not even close. Denver, they beat them 96 to 85. It's the smallest score, I think, since Denver played the Utah Jazz in that final game seven. Kawhi led all players in points 30, 11 rebounds, nine assists, four steals. Two blocks. He only turned the ball over once. 10 of 22. Two for three from three-point range. Eight for eight from free throw. They were nutty. He was nutty. There's nobody better than Kawhi. Now, Jokic had a good game, too. 26 points. 11 rebounds. Six assists, one block, but he had three turnovers. Murray had 18 points, seven assists, had four turnovers. Michael Porter Jr. finally showing up. Thank you very much. 15 points, six rebounds, and one block. Gary Harris had 10. And then everybody else kind of filled in every now and then for points. But the reality is the Clippers dominated this one primarily through their defensive play, but more so through the fact that they have right now the best player in the NBA. It is now not even close. Kawhi is now right now at this moment, at this time, going into next season, he will be the number one player in the NBA. Championship or not, he is proving it right now. I'm not saying he's better than LeBron in the long run. What I am saying is that Kawhi Leonard is proving to everybody he is the franchise player. I don't care if he takes off 20 games of the season. If you have a problem with that, that's on you. I can't help you with that. But I can tell you this. You know what's really cool about what Giannis does? Or excuse me, what Kawhi does. Even after taking off those games, the games he does play, he performs. And when it comes to playoff time, he always shows up. If you don't know, Kawhi's been averaging like 29 points in under 30 minutes of play. He is the most efficient player in the NBA right now. It's not even close. Look at those field goal numbers. 10 of 22, 2 for 4 from 3, 8 for 8 from free throws. 30 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, turned it over once. Who does it better than he does? Well, LeBron... LeBron doesn't always play defense. And, and his shooting is hit or miss now, more than ever. Kind of a weird shot. Always has been. Well, Giannis... Giannis can't hit threes. Giannis cannot hit threes. Kawhi Leonard is shooting over 36% from three-point range. He's shooting like almost 80, 70, 80%. From the field, which is insane. And that's two-point efficiency mid-range shooting. In an era where everybody shoots threes, Kawhi is the weirdo who decides, I'm going to pull up from 10 feet. I'm going to pull up from 12 feet. He's got that weird shot. Not weird, but it's a shot that... The ball kind of straight lines it into the basket. Michael Jordan had that kind of shot. It's a very strange shot, 
because it's not falling into the basket. It's like going out, you know, it's going across the basket and then kind of plunking in off the backboard. It's a strange kind of shot, but goddamn if it doesn't work for the guy. Now, am I saying Kawhi is Michael Jordan? No. Do I think he's in that upper echelon caliber of player? Not yet. Listen, you got to remember this. Kawhi came in, he was what, 20, 21 years old? He came in out of San Diego State as a kind of an older player. He played in San Diego State and was widely regarded as being nothing more than like, I mean, he'll be good for defense, but he won't really do too much. And then Kawhi ends up being the X factor on why they were able to win another NBA title. Because Kawhi then also goes out to prove that he can not only shut down guys that are better than him defensively, he can also perform on an offensive level. And thanks to the help also of Danny Green, who now plays for the Lakers, and his outside shooting in that as well, the Spurs win another title. Kawhi wins finals MVP and begins his journey riding through the NFL. He then proceeds to go through the whole San Antonio Spur Greg Popovich confrontation of, well, we're just not meshing. He doesn't want to play me. Our styles are too completely separate because Popovich is very conservative and wants to play kind of a more conservative game. He doesn't really want to believe in the whole situation of three-pointers and jump shots and all that stuff are really what rang key. But it's Kawhi that's saying, look, coach, I think we need to go to the new style of doing things. I want to be able to shoot the ball more. I want to be able to have more opportunities to touch the ball and be able to score. And Popovich kind of is just like, yeah, 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 okay, I hear you here, whatever. And eventually the breakup is bad. And the breakup's over. And Kawhi is going to Toronto. Where Nick Nurse... His new head coach is waiting for him with Kyle Lowry saying, what's up, man? Van Vliet saying, what's up, man? And basically, Nick Nurse says, what do you feel like you want to do, Kawhi? How do you feel like you want to play this one out? And it works. It works. They find an answer to the system. And Kawhi wins a title, wins a title, wins another finals MVP, only player to ever do it in both conferences. Listen, I don't know if Giannis is ever going to have the numbers that some of these Hall of Famers have. I don't know if he'll ever have as long a career as some of these guys in the NBA have ever had. But I'll tell you this, he's got two championships and two finals MVPs. He does that a third time. This time with the Clippers? Oh, Kawhi has solidified his legacy as one of those top-tier players that we will forever talk about, I believe. And oh, by the way, he also helps to solidify the career of Doc Rivers, too. Because remember, Doc Rivers has been sort of chasing that extra ring for quite a while now. Remember, Doc Rivers came from the days of coaching, went to Boston... Got his job coaching the Celtics, won a championship there, went to the Clippers here, and everybody was like, man, him and Lob City? I don't know. Could be dangerous. And it absolutely was. It absolutely was. The guy was an absolute terror of a player. He was a hell of a coach. And then he gets these great players in Boston. And then he gets these great players in L.A. And then now he's got maybe one of his best collections of talent, I think, in Los Angeles playing for the Clippers because nobody wants to play for the Lakers. Playing for the Lakers and rooting for them are like rooting for the Yankees in New York. And playing for the Yankees in New York. No, it's just nobody wants to do that. Well, scratch that. There's a lot of people that probably want to do that. But let's be honest, though. 
How many players actually want that to happen? To go play in LA, Kawhi, LeBron, all that stuff? No. I understand the argument by some people that say all the statistics, all the numbers stuff, give me all the stats and facts. That's all great. But can we also recognize that maybe Kawhi is the greatest player right now of his generation simply because of not just the fact that he has been kind of dominant in the playoffs and in the finals when he's been needed, but is it also possible that maybe, and I'm just spitballing this, that maybe it also has to do with the fact that the guy has been very concerned and constructive with the rest of his career and doesn't want to take a lot of faulty chances on opportunities that could severely potentially harm him in his career. I'm just saying it's food for thought. It's just really hard right now to say that any other player is better than Kawhi. Even Damian Lillard or Jimmy Butler. Any of those guys, it could easily be a situation where you go, you know what? I think I'm the best. But every one of those guys is also somebody who you can find a flaw in. You can see something going on with their game. You can see something going on in their system or whatever, their players. It's always different with every single individual. The question is, can Kawhi Leonard sustain this level of play going into the conference finals against the Lakers? Playing one-on-one against LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I say that like he's the only guy out there, but really, he's the only guy that can guard all five positions and not seem to get away with it. He blocked a shot by Jamal Murray with a finger. A finger. And that was enough to be able to rock the NBA's world. I mean, look, there's so many other games that are on for the NBA that we could all be talking and looking at. But the reality is, the Miami-Milwaukee thing was compelling. Because Milwaukee was supposed to run through Miami like they have everybody else. But the Miami Heat said, no, not going to happen. We're going to find a way to get this thing done. We're going to shut it all down. I I give it to Kawhi, man. He fights, and he doesn't say anything, right? He is the most unconventional superstar in the NBA. He's the one guy that I think we can all recognize and say, man, this guy, he's the best. He's the best in the NBA right now, and we all want to be able to be friendly with him and be, you know, be friends with him and all that kind of stuff. And the reality is that Kawhi doesn't want to say anything. He doesn't really want to speak on social media. He doesn't want to do a lot when it comes to texts and phone calls and all that stuff. He would rather let his game do the talking for us, and then he doesn't really have to say too much. But he's he's a far more popular player than I think he even gives himself credit. Think about it. The dude laughed some weird laugh in the first press conference with the... Toronto Raptors when he got traded there and that thing went viral for months so funny so hilarious it's already funny on its own and then you've got all these people auto-tuning in and everything and why because Kawhi is a figure in that same sort of fashion that you can point to and say it's kind of funny it kind of makes sense I think the Clippers are going to easily take this one. They'll go in the Western Conference Final. They'll be waiting for the Lakers. They'll take them down. They'll go to the finals. If you're asking me who goes to the East, the Milwaukee Bucks are out. Does that mean that the Miami Heat are in? Honestly, I think right now Boston should be the next favorite up. But if Boston loses to Toronto, 
then obviously the Raptors are the next team up. I mean, it's a real conundrum on how this whole thing's going to play out. But the sooner these teams can figure it out, the better. Because I really want to get to these conference finals for the NBA. I really want to see how much better these games are going to be. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for all these sports, man. NFL's back. Hockey's in the conference finals point. Probably talk about that at some point during a podcast. But right here and now... I'm really excited to see what the NBA is going to be able to bring us. All right, folks, moving into the final part of this whole conversation. Now, obviously, in my previous one, I gave a listing of reasons why you should maybe of the top questions for each NFL team for this year, 2020. And a lot of it was maybe a little bit convoluted. Some of it was maybe a little bit long-winded. Some of it was kind of just bad. I apologize. I was trying to think about what they were on the spot. I had a piece of paper where I wrote all of them down, but I couldn't find it, so I apologize. Anyways, I thought it would be good. We have all the teams up. We have all their matchups from Thursday tonight all the way to Monday morning. I want to give my predictions on what's going to happen Give, you know, a little bit of the over-under on the spreads and things like that. Give you the kind of details on who I think is going to win. So, it is time, ladies and gentlemen. This is something that we do on our X-Bomb Sports as well. It is over-under picks for these teams. So, we have the Houston Texans at Kansas City against the Chiefs. The Chiefs right now are minus nine points, are nine-point favorites right now over the Houston Texans. I like Houston. I think they've got some fight in them. But Kansas City last year did something to Houston that nobody saw coming. And a lot of people are predicting it could happen again. Right? Houston had a giant lead. Kansas City came back and blew that one out, scoring 50 points. The biggest comeback in NBA playoff. Or no, in NBA history. Or was it, you know, it was NBA playoff history, if I'm not mistaken. They, they beat the pants off of the, the, the Texans. I, I can't fully remember. I apologize. I don't remember what game it was. All I know is that Houston had a giant lead, and they let the door open wide, and Kansas City just came roaring back in. So I got Kansas City. I, I think they're going to win that one by far more. I think it's going to be like a 21-24 point deficit. I, I'm thinking blowout. All right. Chicago Bears at Detroit Lions. Right now, Detroit actually has the favorite. They're minus three. Uh, over-unders at 43 and a half. But in the matchup predictor, this is all coming from, by the way, uh, this is coming from ESPN. So keep that in mind. Uh, in the matchup predictor, actually 55% of the matchup predictor has Chicago winning. 55% say Chicago wins the matchup. So this is a big toss-up. Trubisky has a favorable history against the Detroit Lions. Uh, what's it like? Nine touchdowns, eight, eight touchdowns, I think. One interception, almost like a thousand yards passing against this team so far. He's been really good, but I honestly have to say I'm gonna side. I think with the Lions, I think it's more like a six-point game. I think they have a minus six sitting on them right now. So as much as I think the Bears, I would love to see the Chicago Bears get a start, a win to start the season. I just don't know if that's gonna happen. I think. Detroit will probably come out and punch him in the mouth early and give him a surprise. Next, we have the Seattle Seahawks at the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons right now are, uh, excuse me, the Seahawks right now are one and a half point favorites. Seahawks have the matchup win at 52.1% of it going for the Seahawks to win the game. This is a tight one. This is a tight one because Russell Wilson versus Matt Ryan that's a good matchup. I'd watch that quarterback battle. I'd watch that quarterback shootout. But I trust Seattle. They've been better on the road the last two years than any other team in the NFL. I'll give it to Seattle. I think it's more like a six or seven point difference, but I'll give it to Seattle nonetheless. Next, we have the New York Jets traveling to the Buffalo Bills to start the season. Buffalo right now favored six and a half points. 62.9% are favoring the Buffalo Bills to win the game. 
I would have to agree with that. I think Buffalo's defense is going to swallow the Jets whole. I fully expect Sam Darnold to not play his best game. Le'Veon Bell is going to get stuffed in the backfield. And Buffalo, even though their offense looks sharp, I don't think they're going to score a ton of points. So I would say minus nine points, I would say was more like they're kind of flavor right now. But ultimately, I do think uh, Buffalo is going to win this one primarily because of defensive stops. Next, we have the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota right now, two and a half point favorites. They have a 54.9% wins in the matchup predictor. And as much as I would want to agree with that, I think Green Bay is going to win this first game. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to show that little bit of magic he has in them. I know that they have quite a few questions right now in terms of the injuries and stuff, but I still give it to the Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Jones. I think magical things can happen, and Minnesota, I think, is still trying to figure things out, and with no camp, no OTAs, really, you have not been able to actually see what these rookies can look like, so I think there's going to be some downfalls here a little bit for this team. Next, we have the Miami Dolphins versus the New at New England. Yes, I said that right. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter against Cam Newton. Right now, six and a half point favorites go to New England. Of course, I think New England's going to win this. I don't think Cam's going to do that well. I think he'll have at least one touchdown, 195 passing yards, maybe about 60, 70 rushing yards or so. You know, he's getting himself back into form. I would say maybe more like seven points at least, rounded up to a seven. But I don't think that I don't think the Miami Dolphins are winning this one. But I think Miami can potentially put up a fight and show New England that hey, we're not going anywhere anytime soon at all. Next, Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Football Team, and I'm just going right Eagles. Eagles have a minus six right now sitting on them. They have a 70.8 matchup percentage predictor win. I got to go with the Eagles. I, if, if you're choosing Washington football team to win any games, the name in itself should kind of tell you where they're at right now. They have no identity. Their identity is nothing. So until they can actually get an identity, they're not going to have any kind of culture. They're not going to have any kind of real success whatsoever until they can figure that whole situation out. A sap. And I do mean that as soon as possible. Next, we have the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Carolina Panthers. They're in Carolina that week. The Raiders are actually right now predicted to win this one by the matchup predictor, 51.4%. The favor still goes to the Raiders, too, by the way, at minus three. And I think I would probably say it's about minus five, five and a half. It's probably more of what I would feel for the Raiders at this point. I think Carolina is going to give them a fight. I think Carolina could actually come out and punch them in the mouth early. I do think that the Raiders can actually pull off this victory. It's just a matter of, will everybody be on the same level? Remember, John Gruden runs a really kind of complex West Coast offense that not everybody always is very lucky to get adjusted to. Don't know how they're going to really fare against Carolina and their whole defensive issue and stuff. But nonetheless, I would still give it to the Raiders to be able to come out of this. I would say maybe it's more so like a minus five and a half towards the Raiders than a minus three. All right, next is the Indianapolis Colts versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Colts matchup predictor, 66% say they should win. The Colts have the minus eight right now on them, over under 45 and a half. I'm going to take the Colts on this one. I think that's a real easy bet. Listen, I don't know how good Phillip Rivers is going to be, but I got to tell you, compared to what they have in Jacksonville right now, which is absolutely nothing, nada, diddly, squat, Colts got to be the favorite right now to win that division and possibly win that game and win the money on. There's no doubt in my mind. Indianapolis is going to be able to steam the first to steamroll the Jacksonville Jaguars of the many teams in the NFL they will face. Next in the lineup, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore's favored 70% on the matchup to win the game. Baltimore has a minus eight right now sitting on themselves. I think this could go farther. I think this could be like a minus 14 situation for for the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens could absolutely 
devastate whatever Cleveland is going to try and throw at them. I know Cleveland looks really nice on paper. Got wide receivers, got tight ends, got an offensive line. Everything's looking nice. Everything's looking cute right now. But the truth of the matter is that no matter how much you're trying to dress up that pig, there is still a pig underneath all of that kind of clothing and everything. And it's going to come down to can Baker Mayfield absolutely produce in the way that he has in the past in his rookie year. But against Baltimore, that's really tough. That defense is good. Lamar Jackson's supremely talented. I just don't know how long Lamar Jackson's going to last in the long run as an NFL quarterback. But for the time being, he's going to be very successful. I can almost guarantee that along with probably everybody else out there. All right, next, we got the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. They're at Cincinnati. This is where I get a little intrigue on this. Chargers are predicted to win it 57.9% of the time in the predictor. They have the minus three right now on them. I actually think Cincinnati could surprise people with this. That's why I'm picking Cincinnati on this one. I think, and look, yeah, Joe Burrow, I love LSU, blah, blah, blah. I think the kid's great. Look, Tyrod Taylor's a good quarterback, but he's made mistakes before. He's made mistakes before, and he's not exactly the world's largest guy. I think Joe Burrow can actually, if everybody's healthy 100%, I think Burrow can take advantage of the opportunity and tear apart this Chargers defense. Now, yes. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are going to be hitting him a lot. They're going to be attacking him constantly. But I will tell you this right now. If Burrow can deliver the ball the way that he did in college, which is fast and quickly, there's no reason why he can't be successful against the Chargers. I'm picking the Bengals. I'm saying a minus three and a half on that one. First big matchup of the week. This has got to be the game of the week. I got to tell you. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. This is the one thing that everybody said. We want a Super Bowl between Drew Brees and Tom Brady already. Let's make it happen. Well, this is probably as close as we're going to get to it. Saints are favored to win in the matchup predictor 59.3% of it of the time. Minus three and a half go to the Saints. I have to say, I think it's more like a nine and a half for the Saints. I think it's bigger. I like the Bucs. Tom Brady is a good court is still a good quarterback. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with OJ Howard, Cameron Braid, and Rob Gronkowski right now, one of the best receiving cores out there. Ronald Jones, the second combined with Leonard Fournette and maybe a little bit of Shady McCoy. It's going to be a really good running attack, passing attack coming out of the backfield. But I question if Tampa's defense, particularly the defensive backs can hold up against some of the NFL's best receivers. And if you can't, And if you already don't know, there's a player on the Saints called Michael Thomas, whose nickname is Can't Guard Mike. I give it to the Saints. I give it to Drew Brees and the Saints. Arizona Cardinals at San Francisco 49ers. Niners are favored by 70% to win this one. They have the minus seven in their favor. I'm actually thinking it's going to be closer. I think it's a minus two. Minus one and a half, minus two for the 49ers. I think the 49ers will still win this game. I just think for the first game of the season after no OTAs, no practice camps, no training camps, no preseason, none of that, I think it'll just be a little bit closer. I think Kyler Murray, as long as DeAndre Hopkins is healthy, will have a big game. He and Garoppolo will have some big quarterback battles right here and now. And I genuinely think that the Arizona Cardinals could potentially put this one in their pocket for a victory, but I'm still giving it to the Niners because their defense still looks much more sharp. Dallas Cowboys at Los Angeles Rams. We're getting down to the end here, folks. Dallas and Rams right now are a back and forth. Dallas has the minus three, but the Rams have a 49.9% win on the matchup predictor. Dallas has 49.7%. 0.2% separates these two teams according to the matchup predictor. And look, I honestly think on paper, yeah, Dallas should definitely win this game. But the chart, excuse me, the Rams are the team that has the Super Bowl experience. 
the Super Bowl going quarterback, an offense that includes Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, that has Tyler Higby. They have so many different weapons on that team right now, and I think Cam Akers is going to add another element to it. The question is, is the offensive line going to hold up their own against this Dallas defense, and can Jalen Ramsey shut down, along with the rest of the Rams' corners, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Bishop. That's a lot for you to have to control. And I think Dak Prescott's going to have a nice day. So I think I'm still going to have to give it to the Dallas Cowboys on this one. I'm going to go with Dallas. And finally, we've got two Monday Night Football games, folks. Two Monday Night Football games. I can't wait for them. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the New York Giants. Pittsburgh's favored 59.3% on the matchup predicted win. They got a minus five and a half over, over the Giants. I'm gonna take it and say it's probably more like a ten and a half. I think Pittsburgh's gonna come back with a vengeance. I think Ben Roethlisberger's gonna have a great game. I think James Conner's gonna have a good game. I think that whole Steelers team is gonna come out and punch the Giants in the mouth. Not to say Saquon Barkley's not gonna have a good game. Not to say Jan- Daniel Jones is gonna lay down and die. The Giants are gonna come out and fight. But I would seriously think right now. And consider right now that no matter what you may think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, remember this right now more than anything. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season with the Steelers. Last year it was 8-8. He's never gone below 500. He's incredible. He'll find a way to get the job done. I'm taking the Steelers minus 10.5. That's the way I'm rolling with that one. And the final Monday night football game... It's the late, late night one. It's 9-10 at night. This this one's incredibly late. Tennessee Titans at Denver Broncos. Late night game in Mile High Stadium in that high altitude against Denver. Denver's right now favored 53.6% on the matchup predicted to win. But it's the Titans who have a minus one and a half favor in their, have the one and a half in their favor. But I'm taking Denver. For the upset on this. And a big upset. I'm taking them on like a seven and a half, my plus eight on this one. I think Denver's gonna actually pull off this upset big time. And you know why? Because Drew Locke is a first round pick quarterback at talent. They got picked up in the second round by the Denver Broncos. And they gave him Jerry Judy with Cortland Sutton, Noah Font, and KJ Hamler, combined with the effects of having Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay run the football out of the backfield, along with Royce Freeman, and an offensive line that really is a little underrated, I think, and is actually somewhat decent. But a lot of this comes down to the fact that Drew Locke is more of a pure passing quarterback and more of the quarterback you want, I think, as your franchise player for the long haul. Whereas Ryan Tannehill, he's a nice filler for the time being, but I think his true colors are actually going to show this year as a full-time starter instead of, well, I'm just going to come in and kind of be like a relief pitcher like Nick Foles was for Carson Wentz every now and then when they went to a Super Bowl and then the year after that. I'm picking Denver to go a plus eight, not a plus one and a half. I'm taking a plus eight. So those are my predictions for the season. Uh, obviously, we'll see what happens here. It's Thursday night football ball here very soon ladies and gents so hold your hats hold your horses and watch this one right off into the sunset because that's going to be about it for us here today so thank you all so much for listening obviously if you want to follow me you guys can follow me on twitter at the fluffy guru you guys can follow me also on instagram at boom crew captain i am also so available on tiktok as well if you want to follow me there i i I don't do a lot of videos on there but i'm just putting that out there i guess it's another social media thing you want to follow me on uh, if you guys want to catch any more of our sports, of course, you guys can go to Facebook.com slash Team X-Bomb Sports and see my live show I do on Facebook with my co-host Tom McKinney on the X-Bomb Sports live show. We're doing a show this Thursday as well, so make sure to catch that. You guys can follow us also there on at X-Bomb Sports on Twitter and Instagram, so make sure to follow us there too. But as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to my rambling voice. I will see you on the next podcast as of that sports show that talks sports. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, much love. Peace out to you all.